Hello, and thanks for joining us for Healthline 3. I'm Terry Simmons. Today we're talking with Dr. Vic Chaprath of Bossier Orthopedics. We're talking about joint health and minimally invasive surgery. We'll be taking your calls throughout the show. And as a reminder, please make sure you're in a quiet room with your TV turned down so we can be sure and hear your questions. And the number to call is 318-219-4569. And a little later in the show, you'll see that at the bottom of your screen. Hello, Dr. Chaprath. Hello, and thank you for having me again. It's a pleasure being here oh, with you. Oh, it's such a pleasure, and I love that we've already started this talk early this morning when we had the earlier absolutely talking absolutely. about it. So we're going to get to your yoga practice in a minute. <laughs> uh, let's talk about just overall joint health, which is so important, some things that we might not always think about. So what's the frame of mind we need to think about that? So uh, joint health depends on uh, a multitude of factors. What is your age? What is your current activity level? What are you hoping to achieve? Uh, all of us want to be pain-free, okay? Now, in the uh, senior population, sometimes they already have a compromised joint, which may just be from arthritis, from wear and tear, or sometimes, unfortunately, from an accident. Now, their goals are to be pain-free and get a functional range of motion. To them, maintaining joint health means that. If we move down to a younger person, their goal is to be as active as possible. So different concepts of joint health mean different things. So identifying what we want to do, whether I want to go for a marathon, or I just want to be able to play with the grandkids, play golf, and uh, enjoy a pain-free day. Those are the things we need to identify before we jump into the solutions for joint health. And sometimes we might think, oh, I just have bad knees or I just have a bad lower back when mm -hmm. really there is something that we can do about it. It really is our weight and weight will affect at any age, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, we sometimes see younger uh, kids who are on the overweight side of things and uh, they come with joint pains. And one of the biggest key uh, factors is that the body is developing, okay? The ends of the bones are actually not bone yet, they're cartilage, okay? just like the tip of our nose. And as we grow older and we complete our vertical growth, that's the point when the cartilage converts to bone. Okay? That's what simply in medical terms we call a growth plate. Now, if you're overweight, you're putting a lot of stress on those growth plates and eventually causing aches and pains. Um, when you drop the weight, you build muscle, now your joint itself is not doing all the work for you. The muscles are providing the support structure for it. That's so, fascinating. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. Yeah. And so to think about as you grow and to really consciously be, as, so as parents, we can even keep that in mind with our children, to keep them moderately active, keep them active, because exercise itself isn't only to lose weight for the joints. Exercise, does exercise actually keep it moving and the fluid going? Absolutely, so it helps to um, you know, if you're not working out or especially when somebody has a fracture, okay? Occasionally we are forced to put them in a cast or a splint and then they feel that the joint is locked, whether it's a wrist, knee, ankle, and then they go to physical therapy. Part of that is getting the fluid moving inside and when the fluid moves inside, the no joint gets nourishment. And uh, that, that's what is joint health is. Now, what I've done myself is I have a 11-year-old boy last six months we've been trying to hit the gym and I'm like this is the point where you start doing a little bit of body weight exercises and simple things going for a run he's doing push-ups pull-ups and trying to keep his joints healthy 
<laughs> which is another way for us to do things together Absolutely. as a family, whether Absolutely. you're a guardian or an older brother, sister, all kinds of relationships. Exercising, getting out in the fresh air with nature or going to a gym is really a good way to not only stay healthy, but really, really solidify those relationships too. Well, as I said, I'm a father and mm -hmm. a son and a husband, so, you know, before I preach to the patients, <laughs> I actually should follow my own advice, so I, I try to do it. <laughs> well, it shows, and by the way, special congratulations on the graduation yesterday. Well, thank you so you much. A, a fifth grader going into sixth grade, correct. is that correct, your 11-year-old? Correct, yes. Well, congratulations. Thank you That's so much, exciting. I appreciate it. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit more about physical therapy since you mm -hmm. mentioned that. And so what role do injections play? We hear that a lot of times in injections and physical therapy. Right, so um, there are two forms of treatment which I have in my armamentarium okay I'll start with injections um, sometimes patients come with shoulder issues that's one of the most common areas where we use an injection it's called rotator cuff tendonitis or in simple words your rotator cuff is angry it's inflamed and now you're developing a frozen shoulder where the joint is getting locked things are not moving so we use an injection whether it's a steroid injection okay and there are multiple kinds of steroid injections the objective is to bring the inflammation down. Now once the inflammation is down, now steps in physical therapy. So they work together. What the therapist will do is, they will work with you and devise a plan for improving your range of motion, improving your strength. Uh, these therapists are a great part of my team. They work with the th patient and try to understand what their goals are. Okay? What is their social condition at home? What kind of access do they have in terms of equipment? What access, where do they live? Like if it's an older patient, well, do they live in a two-story home or it's a rambler kind of a situation? Do they have to do steps? So this is where therapy will work with them and also try to piece in the social component of it and get them moving and hopefully avoid an operation. Okay. And when you talk about, especially a, a shoulder mm -hmm. locking up, are there different degrees of locking up? You know, you have someone say, well, I just can't go any higher than this, or, or will it really, well, you just can't move it at all? Yeah, absolutely. There are different degrees of uh, locking up where someone comes with a frozen shoulder, they are struggling to move the shoulder at all, even get it up to shoulder level, what yeah. we might call it. Then there are others who have, like I said, rotator cuff tendonitis. They can do all the motion, they can, especially with women, get to the hair, get to put your clothes on, they can do it, but it hurts a lot. Then I have the other ones where I perform a shoulder replacement surgery is it's end stage arthritis. The joint is so bad that they really do not have any relief. They've tried therapy, injections, and nothing has worked. Okay, so now they come where we have to perform a joint replacement surgery for them. Okay, so they do. They've tried everything, physical therapy, and sometimes it just doesn't work, and that's when it's time for maybe the minimally invasive surgery that you're here to talk about, too. Absolutely, right? absolutely. So we uh, give all the options to the patients. We make sure that we've tried every simple thing. We're not being what we call knife-happy, <laughs> and we're jumping on to surgery. We've tried other things. If it doesn't work, then we uh, go on to surgical options, in which I have a special interest in minimally invasive surgery as well. And what does that mean? So when we say minimally invasive surgery, people think about lasers and robots and the Jetsons, <laughs> right? I, I, I wish that was always so cool. Um, what we're trying to achieve by minimally invasive surgery is go between muscles, not cut across muscles. 
Okay, so I, I mean, it's a very simple concept to understand. If you're going to cut across the muscle, you're going to get scar tissue. It's going to contract. You're going to go between muscles or separate them. Now, you've not caused a significant amount of scarring and the tissue planes are maintained. Things can flow much smoothly, okay? Whether we do it with the help of a camera, which commonly we call arthroscopy, or we do it with an open incision, but still being respectful of the muscle planes. Uh, that's what minimally invasive surgery is. Now, we do use adjuncts. I love doing robotic surgery. That's how we perform most of our surgery. Um, but at the end of the day, it's the surgeon controlling the robot, not the other way around, <laughs> like as I said, Jetsons, right? Uh, there's no Rosie coming in, picking up the dishes there. Uh, so it's still the surgeon controlling it, and I have to make sure that what I'm doing is following the muscle plane, hence being minimally invasive. Okay, now that we've talked, mentioned robotic surgery, which is so fascinating, mm -hmm. let's describe to people what that actually is. Because like you said, the robot is not doing, the robot is more like a, a tool for you, it's an extension of what you're, because you're doing the surgery using this method. And this, yes. Yeah, so let's explain, just for someone who's never heard of it, let's explain about robotic surgery. So the best way to probably think about it is think of GPS in your car, right? The GPS tells you, take right at Washington Street in 100 feet, okay? but the car is not going to turn itself or the GPS is not going to turn your car. You're still the driver in control. So what we do with the robotics is we kind of map out the joint. So for example, if I'm doing a knee replacement, I'm going to put certain trackers in the knee. Think they look like cute satellite trackers. Okay, so we put these satellite trackers, which are temporary. We map out the knee, make a three-dimensional picture of the knee. That is reflected onto the computer screen next to me in the operating room. Okay. I can dial the computer screen and be as accurate as a millimeter or actually 0.5 millimeters, so which is less than the breadth of a fingernail. Okay. Then that's where the robotic arm comes in. We place it where I have planned it. Once we place it, it helps us to perform the operation. So the robot is not independent or autonomous. We are directing it, we are helping it, we are mapping it out, and finally, there are times when um, we'll overrule the plan that, hey, I kind of don't agree with this. And uh, it's because we've done this manually. We've experienced this, done through thousands of cases where we know, I don't think I like this plan. So that's where the human superiority still exists over technology. Mm. So the robot isn't thinking or doing anything on its own. You are going and you're looking for a better way and you're gonna tell the robot the better way Correct. To do what you're doing. Correct. Once we make the plan, what it's doing, it's helping me eliminate the human error. Mm -hmm. Okay. Right. Whether it's a one millimeter error, which is hard for the human eye to pick up, or a one degree difference. Mm -hmm. This is where we're using technology as an adjunct to get, go from, you know what, an ordinary or a good result to a better result. That's how I would put it. That's very good. And, and to be... To even further clarify, that's a really great thing for us to remember. You, the plan is set in there, but still, mid-surgery, while you're looking at it, you're still in control. It can change the plan. You said, Absolutely. okay, this is what we thought, but now that we're in here, we're going to do this. Absolutely. To make it even better. And the robot's not going to go, nah, that's not what you told me. No. <laughs> that can't do it. It's not going to think on its own. It's going to go, no. It's going to go, okay, and do exactly what you're, because it's your, it's your hands. It's it, your, your, your mind. You're doing it. Exactly. You're, you're working and it. This happened to me last week, actually. Oh. Uh, I was in the middle of surgery and I'd made a plan and uh, we did the first part of the procedure. We were doing a knee replacement 
and then I did do, did my checkpoint. I have like multiple checkpoints, and I uh, tell my PA, I don't think I like this. I'm going to go tweak some. So just wait for a second. So they pull up the computer screen. It's sterile, so you know we can touch it and everything, uh, like a touch screen. Uh, oh. And I said, okay, I'm going to ma move this a couple degrees here and a couple degrees here, and I come back. Okay. I like it. <laughs> Let's keep going. Success. <laughs> yeah, success. So yeah. you're constantly looking at doing checks there, putting checks and balances. So you're doing a good job at the end of the day. Right. And that's something you, would, you of course, would be able to do even if you were doing the surgery manually. But with this technique, you can see so much. It's called validation Better, in yeah. a way that, okay, we go away from the word of I think I'm doing a good job. Do I know I'm doing a good job? Oh wow! Well, I definitely prefer that as yeah. a patient. Yeah. <laughs> that you know, I think I, I got it. <laughs> it. It's probably in the same ballpark range. No, I I know I, I know. have numbers. I have math. Math is emotionless. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's cold, right? That's Either right. you got it or not. <laughs> That's true. It either is or it isn't. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And so to be able to even when you already know and you already do that to have this to enhance it even mm -hmm. more with your knowledge and and everything that you've done so many times, it's got to be a really good feeling, patient and doctor. It's actually fun. Yeah. We look forward to it. <laughs> I, I, I look forward to my robotic days uh -huh. of doing it. I get to use the robot, so I get pumped about it. <laughs> it must be because you have some this this advanced technology right here. And then knowing how to use it, and right. then being in there saying, oh, I can even go even further, I can go even further. Do you see robotic surgery advancing, and how quickly? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Even as of uh, a few days ago, we were talking to the device companies which make these robots, and uh, we were talking about just like a software update on your iPhone, okay? We get these updates, and uh, we were looking at what can we do to use this to the next level of surgery. For example, when we do a hip replacement or a knee replacement, it's called a primary knee replacement. It's the first time we're performing it, okay? When things have not gone well, since I'm a joint specialist, I get revisions where somebody had a surgery many years ago or unfortunately they had a surgery elsewhere, things didn't go well, they come to me for round two. Um, now we're use, thinking of how we can use robotics in round two and uh, go to the next level of it. So that's the next step up in uh, using robotics. So we're constantly looking at how to make things better. And it's so good to know because I was going to ask you that too, just do these companies, I'm sure they do, is there a network of input where they are asking the doctors, can you, can you give input to what's going on and, and what you're noticing and ways you feel like it could be better? Yes, absolutely. These companies, uh, device companies, uh, work with doctors. Um, you know, we always want to be humble. We stand on the giant of shoulders, or I should say shoulders of the giants. <laughs> 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 and uh, these are people who have helped bring this robotic technology. These are physicians, biomedical engineers. So we constantly provide our feedback, and surgeons like myself across the country will say, hey, I think this is an idea. Would you consider it? Would you tweak this? And maybe we can do it better. So we're always providing these ideas to them. It's very interesting because sometimes we lose sight of that, that this technology is built and suggested by people who are actually using it and is constantly being proved 
by you and other doctors who are using it. So this that constant feedback. So we as patients can feel even safer and safer, and we can also look at it as exciting Absolutely. and fun too to be you know helping you learn new things about this this surgery, especially with with our joints and um, keeping it with our hips, our knees, our shoulders, all of that. So let's get back to the the weight bearing and the suggestion with the hips and the knees and and keeping that fluid going. And then once we have that surgery, mm -hmm. what's the recovery like? So we can get going again after we've had something. And so it's different depending on the joint that it, we it, have. It's different depending on the joint. One of the most important things we tell people is hips are the fastest to recover, oh. followed by shoulders, followed by knees. So the same patient will come and say, my knee hurts longer than when you did my hip. I, I'm sorry, it's the nature of the beast. That's, it, that's how it usually plays out, is hips are, they, they, come, they come by two weeks, and I had a gentleman two weeks ago, I'm like, hey, so it's been six weeks since your operation, right? He's like, nope, it's two weeks. He came in walking without a walker, nothing, just walked in uh, to the clinic. I'm like, you fooled me, man. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, that's how fast the recovery tends to be with hips. Wow. Shoulders are a touch slower, and the knees probably between the th uh, three are the slowest. Mm -hmm. uh, by four to six weeks, most patients should be doing reasonably well they should be able to get back to driving, doing their household chores, uh, enjoying simple things, able to do uh, steps. Now, during the first year of after any surgery, you'll notice that patients continue to improve in strength, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, but if you're talking about the most acute recovery part, that's the first six weeks. Now, if we look at the keyhole surgery, which is, I was talking about arthroscopy earlier, that's even faster. By two weeks, patients are doing great. Now we perform this keyhole surgery for shoulders, uh, hips, knees as well. So in those, actually, we're not making a large incision. We're going through tiny, tiny incisions and um, putting a camera inside the joint. And then the camera allows us to look inside the joint. It's like uh, direct vision. And then we're able to do what we need to do inside the joint. So that's called an arthroscopy. So knee and shoulder arthroscopy has been around for I would say more than three four decades now hip arthroscopy is something which is newer so I consider myself fortunate that uh, it's a skill which I was able to learn during my training and it still remains a, a not a very common skill so I consider myself lucky that I was with the right people at the right time so I was able to learn that and offer that to my patients as well well, we're very fortunate for that too. <laughs> so thank you. We have a caller for you, by the way. Uh, hi, Gladys. Thank you for calling. What's your question for doctor? My question is, what is the best exercise for osteoporosis? I, I missed that. The what best is the exercise best? for osteoporosis. Fantastic question, and uh, thank you for calling. Uh, the best exercise for osteoporosis is some form of weight-bearing exercise. So as I was saying earlier, depending on your age group, if you go for a walk and you're in the senior population, any weight-bearing exercise is probably going to be the best for osteoporosis. Now, if you tend to have bad joints and you can't go for a walk, a stationary bicycle is a really good option as well. Bicycle? A stationary bicycle, correct. All right. All right, well, thank you very much. I'll help knee pain. Is there anything particular? Um, well, I have a uh, pseudo gout, and 
What is good for that pseudo gout? Uh, what is good for pseudo gout? Yes, sir. So uh, sometimes we have to get your lab values done and uh, get the imaging done. So that is something which will tell us at what stage you are before we are able to offer particular treatments related to it. But certainly, you know, keeping the weight down, exercising, that's going to help quite a bit. All right. Well, thank you very much. No problem at all. Thank you for calling. Thank you. Thank you. And we talk about weight bearing, and we hear that a lot. So if someone doesn't know what else falls into that category, what is weight bearing exercises? So weight bearing exercise uh, would be where you're using your own body weight instead of using uh, weights in the gym, you're using your own body weight and uh, helping to get some resistance, okay? Now that may mean different things to different people. Like for example, if I go to the gym, I could do push-ups, I could do pull-ups, I could do squats. That could be my version of body weight exercises. Now if I tell that to a 75-year-old individual with bad knees, that's not a great idea for them. Walking is the weight-bearing exercise. Okay. Now like the caller who said she has knee pain, she may not enjoy going for a long walk. She may enjoy a stationary bicycle where she's not exactly putting a lot of body weight, but she's just putting some weight on it, getting the repetitions on it, and that's her exercise. Okay, and really good to know that weight bearing means you don't need any extra equipment either. Sometimes you can just use your own your own body weight, like you said, the push-ups, unless you're on a bike or something like that. Right, so. right. You okay. can actually get a lot done with that. You really can, yeah. yeah. Um, we have Anne on the line. Hi, Anne. What is your question for the doctor? Hello. Uh, thank you. Hello to both of you. Doctor, I came in on um, you referring something to physical therapy. I missed that. And what I'm, the reason I'm interested, because I am doing physical therapy right now for a back injury, which is kind of putting a little bit of pressure on my knee. Do you hear me okay? About a back injury, she said that, right? Yes, and it's putting, it's pressure yeah, on she, her knee. yeah, putting pressure on her yeah, knees. Yeah, I'm asking about physical therapy. Mm -hmm. And you said that you need to take the weight off and uh, some of the therapy that I'm doing uh, is like um, a push-up, and that's putting weight on the knee. It's the opposite knee from the one that I had surgery on, but I also have pain in that hip over there as well that I'm starting to have pain in the other hip. And you were talking about, you know, doing hip surgeries. So does the physical therapy put too much pressure on the opposite knee so or uh, does it have anything to do with each other so th thank you for calling and uh, yes they're all connected and um, since you're doing therapy for a particular problem what it might be doing is it's bringing other things to attention because the therapist is putting you through the motions to get stronger in your back but you need strong hips you need strong knees to be able to do those exercises now, if you had some pre-existing hip or knee problem, it's just unmasked it and it's coming to attention. You might possibly need treatment for that because it may be a separate issue. Uh, but since we're, you know, these are all weight-bearing exercises, you're using your back, you're using your hip, you're using your knee, all three of uh, them in coordination to do the exercises. Well, the pain went away somewhat when I had an injection. I had a back injury, then I had an injection, then I started physical therapy, and I kind of understood that was the process. 
you know, that you just said was what you do, the injection, the therapy, mm-hmm. and then you decide on what else needs to happen. Now, can I do both uh, physical therapies at the same time, both for the back and the hip? Absolutely. You can certainly do that. And when you said that the injection helped, uh, that gives me a big clue because it's both a test and a treatment. It's a test because it confirms that there is something going on. Now, I didn't follow whether you had a knee or a hip injection, but again, if you had the injection and it gave you some relief, that means you have some issue going on with that joint. So that's both uh, a test and a treatment at the same time. It's a treatment because it helps the inflammation and it helps you keep going. The injection was actually for the back injury. Okay. Even though the back injury was pressing on a nerve, causing all of the other stuff to go on down your leg, my leg, sure. my leg, and, and my hip. Right. And that's one of the uh, most common treatments that uh, some of my pain management colleagues, my uh, spine surgery colleagues will try is back injections. Because not everybody ends up needing an operation, and those injections can uh, give you a lot of relief. Okay. Now, at the end of the program, or have you already done it, put up how you can um, reach your office? Uh, yes, uh, you can call our office as well at uh, our uh, phone 318-212-7841. Okay, and that is in Bozier, 212-7841. Correct, Bozier Orthopedics oh. with Willis Knighton. Okay, doctor, thank you so very much. Thank you, I appreciate you calling. Have a good day, bye-bye. Thank you, Ann, so much for calling. We wish you well. That was really great information. I'm sure a lot of people listening. Absolutely. She, help a lot of people. she asked all the right questions she that you did. were supposed to ask. <laughs> <laughs> Ann, do them a job. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Ann. <laughs> I love it when our viewers call in. They well, do. They're, they're, they ask those great questions. They're tuned in. They're keyed in. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I know. It's almost like it's meant to be, but they really, really do. Oh, and we have another caller right now speaking of that. Hi, Jim. What's your question for Dr. Chadrath? Hi, doctor. Thanks for being on today. I have an impinged tendon in my left shoulder. I'm 67 years old and very active. My BMI is around 22 to 23, so I don't have any problems there, and I'm not uh, hyperglycemic. My question is, would a stretching routine help that at all? I did yoga and Pilates for seven or eight years, but it seemed like it was actually irritating the condition a little bit. So what suggestion would you have for me? So, uh, thank you first for calling, and I love that you mentioned yoga and Pilates, and towards the beginning of the show, I just said that I've just signed up for it for the first time myself. So, um, now, yoga sometimes can be uh, pretty intense as well. So, I wonder if during one of those um, postures, I think they call it, Mm -hmm. um, or poses. Poses. Poses, yes, they call it poses. Yeah, I'm learning. You are. One of those poses, you actually ended up uh, hurting your shoulder. So a stretching routine will certainly help you. Now, sometimes it's a catch-22 situation. If your shoulder is quite inflamed, uh, doing a more vigorous stretching routine may actually not help the problem. So you sometimes have to back off. That's where I uh, I was talking earlier about an injection. And uh, that's one of the first things we try along with some medications called anti-inflammatories. Think of it like ibuprofen at a higher strength. And those are uh, some of the things we may try initially for you. Okay, okay. 
All right, well, good. Well, are you only at the Bossier Willis Knighton, or do you work at Claremont as well? No, I work at Bossier uh, Willis Knighton, and uh, uh, I just said 318-212-7841 uh, is our phone number, if that helps. Okay. Okay, mighty good. Thanks so much. I appreciate your time and your information. Goodbye. Thank you. Thank you for calling. Appreciate it. Bye. Yes, thank you so much for calling. And once again, so they see you got your plug in for you're doing that yoga. Uh, yeah, so I know. Good. <laughs> great lead in. So I have a question about those two. Since he mentioned he's done Pilates before too, mm -hmm. and I know or, or where I've heard Vincent suggested because yoga is great too, but yoga you're more holding certain poses where Pilates more continual slow movement. So right. maybe revisiting Pilates or would that help? Because it's, it's movement or does that really not? They're, they're both... They're both you know, the same. Uh, more or less, uh, I, I should say two sides of the same coin. Right. Okay. Um, either or is fine. It particularly depends. Don't do a movement which is hurting you. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, for example, like this gentleman who called with a shoulder issue, I learned about this pose called downward dog. Okay. Mm -hmm. Where you're actually putting a fair amount of pressure on your shoulder. Now, if his shoulder is already hurting, he needs to back off on that and do something different. And then he, once it's better, he can get back to it. Which is good advice all the way around. Probably something good for us to end on. I, yes. Even if you're in a class, don't be afraid. If you're in a pose or you're doing something, no matter what the class is or what you're doing, don't be afraid to you stop that one. You rest, you move to a more comfortable. If it hurts, just do something different. We correct? check in for the class and check right. out the ego at, at the class. Okay, ah, very oh. good. <laughs> Check it. All right. Yeah. Don't bring your ego into yeah, class. Exactly. Right? Dr. Chadra, this has been wonderful. What's something that you would like to leave our viewers with today? Well, uh, be active. That's the most important thing. Summer is around the corner. or if It's already here, actually. I'm from Minnesota, so. <laughs> so it's summer to you. Summer, summer is already here. So uh, be active. Go for a bike ride. Enjoy the nice trails. Take a walk by the river. These are simple things. Um, and uh, that'll keep you healthy. All right. Would you like to give your phone number one more time? Our phone number is 318-212-7841. And uh, I'm with Bozier Orthopedics at Willis Knighton in Bozier. All right. That sounds wonderful. Thank you so much for hey. yoga and keep moving. And uh, no matter what age, try Absolutely. to keep the weight up and keep moving. Yeah. Thank you again so much. Thank we you so much it. for having me. And thank you to all the viewers yes. and uh, the callers. Thank you for watching. And we will see you next time on Healthline 3.